Current Details presents The Little Bookmakers. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome to The Little Bookmakers, where you can listen to some of the most prominent names in Indian children's publishing, including authors, illustrators, animators, and more. Get a glimpse of what goes on behind the scenes of your favorite children's books. We're having two very special people on today, both well-known award-winning authors, Anushka Ravishankar and Samit Basu. Anushka is the co-founder of Duckbill Books and has written numerous books for children like Moin and the Monster, which is one of my favorites, and Excuse Me, Is This India? And Anushka has written five books for us at Karadi Tales, The Rumor, The Boy Who Drew Cats, The Tallest Tale, The Monkeys in the Cap Cellar, and she has adapted Mahatma Gandhi's The Story of My Experiments with Truth for our Chadka series. Samit Basu is a novelist and filmmaker. He writes for children and adults and has authored the Game World trilogy, The Adventures of Stoob, and he has also written the Netflix film House Arrest. And for us, he has written the very funny Intergalactic Idol. Today, Anushka and Samit are going to be talking to each other and the topic of conversation is going to be humor in children's literature. They're both very, very funny in their writing and they're going to be talking about their writing process, the kind of feedback they get from readers, what kind of humor is seen as unacceptable and whether they faced censorship. Anushka and Samit, I'm going to pass it on to you now. Hi, thank you, Daya. Hi, Anushka. Hi, Samit. Thank you, Daya, for the introduction. Now, Samit, I depend upon you to remember all the things that we have to talk about because my memory is short. Um, so is mine, but luckily it's just us here. And the best thing about doing these things over the internet is that if you get it completely wrong, no one can actually, you know, run in and pull you off. Yeah. But humor in children's literature, Anushka, you are the kind of celebrated children's writer here. You are also the unambiguously funny one, however much you might be in denial of this fact when not on stage. So I wanted to ask you, first of all, um, often being told to be funny is the most horrifying thing in the world, right? So like I have never done anything but freeze if anyone has said, say something funny to me. And how do you approach setting out to write humor? And how do you convince yourself that it's funny when you're writing it? Is my question. So like you said, the moment somebody says, write something funny, it's, it's horrible. The only time I've done that is when uh, I wrote a story for the Funny Stories Anthology of Scholastic. That was terrible because how do you set out to write a funny story? I have really no idea. So why the stories turn out funny is just because one thinks like that, right? And that's what one enjoys writing. And I'll come back to you with a question, which is that when you're writing humor, which, which you do all the time, does your humor focus on the characters and their voice? Or is it on situation or is it just on the on you know, language sometimes? First of all, I relate entirely to what you said. I also never set out to write humor. I just hope that it will be funny, you know, as a byproduct to people who are reading it. I've never set out to write something funny because the, the thought of that is quite terrifying. Yeah. And just to kind of expand on this a little, humor is so specific to um, to everyone, by region, by era, by age, by uh, just general taste. And most of the people who kind of describe themselves as kind of humorists or anything like that, 
are really setting themselves up to disappoint most people who encounter their work. I've certainly mostly been disappointed by people right. who have come and said, oh, I'm really funny, let me tell you something. Like the worst thing you can do is promise funniness. But at the same time, I'm always desperately hoping that people will find the work funny when they read it. For me, what I try and do is hopefully get into the head of a character who's in a situation that I would find funny and hope to kind of describe it in a way that works for me with not more than the usual amount of guesswork it takes to guess whether any scene is landing. And then if anyone else says it's funny, then I pretend that I intended it all along. <laughs> and uh, haha, oh yes, it's one of my favorites. I but uh, how, how is that different from your process? Like, how do you approach? It is kind of different because I don't think about whether it's going to be funny to anybody else. I really don't. Sometimes, actually, I have sat and laughed as I wrote something, which is, which is great fun when that happens. <laughs> I'm not thinking about whether anyone's going to find it funny or not. It's just that I find it funny, so I write it. And then it works, it works. I think a lot of it has to do with economy of language because I know people who are really funny when, they, when you talk to them. They're really funny and they, they're fantastically, they can make you laugh like crazy. But I've seen them write stuff down and they don't have, they can't do it because they it needs an economy of writing, which I think they, they can do it when they're talking, but they don't seem to be able to do it when they're writing. They tend to over explain because make sure you get the joke, you know. So I think to a, to a large extent, it's just instinct. Yeah, You just know when to stop. That's very important. I also find that sometimes the funniness is also, it's kind of inbuilt in the in the language sometimes. It's just yeah. the way language works. So there are many different kinds. No? So you don't you don't stick to one kind of uh, humor at all. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of people have told me that, um, like you, for instance, Samit, are very funny, even, even in speech, you're very quick, repartee, and you know, You've got fantastic one-liners and things like that. I don't do any... I'll pretend it's all, <laughs> it's all intentional and I'm not just desperately winging it every yes. time I open my mouth. Having said that, Anushka, I mean, you're doing this nice piece of setting up the other person. I have not yet had a conversation with you where I've not laughed unless it's been about something genuinely depressing. No, but I think this is especially important in, in children's writing and most of the children's writing that works for me when I read it is when there is a certain unselfconsciousness in in the author and a certain kind of free-flowing naturalness to the style that they use as well, which is, again, and I mean, I apologize for continuously saying this, but which is also part of the reason why I enjoy reading you. And I think what you describe as the, the thing that happens when a lot of people are, who are very kind of natural and free-flowing and funny when they speak, but when they write, somehow it just, you know, dissolves into cracks of the earth is that they become self-conscious when they're writing. And, you know, and I think the equivalent for actors is being told that they're in a Shakespearean play. So the moment they go on stage, they stop being the person who they were cast as and immediately go, go forth into the sunset or whatever starts happening. And I've seen that happen so many times when people are writing not just fiction or work we published, but even in their emails, suddenly that person who you were speaking with, who was delightful, has just disappeared into this horrifying piece of text that could have been created by a bot. And of course, I mean, even the process of breaking down and describing how to write humor is one of the most terrifying things you can think of. And I, I, I do agree entirely with what, what you were saying about, you know, I write what's funny for me. Also, because I'm a very needy person, I hope that other people will, will like it. But I have absolutely no control over that. Absolutely none. Because I, I think now 
after a certain amount of time doing it you can guess what a particular kind of person will find humorous if you know them a little bit yeah. because i think the more time you kind of because humor is also so contextual but you know for example and it's a similar thing to say the the, the book what books will you read next algorithm that if you if you find a and b and c funny you are likely to also find x and y and z funny because they are kind of in the same vein of humor but i find it exceptionally challenging in the kids space specifically because they are consuming media in 15 different directions each of those has a very specific humor you know anime manga humor or korean entertainment humor or video game humor all of which are very good have absolutely nothing to do with the kind of you know 18th early 19th century british children's books that i think you and i read as our first introduction to humorous writing so how do you kind of work yeah. between these parallel dimensions is my next question to you yeah so i again don't do any of that <laughs> what i basically do is if i'm writing like if i'm writing a book for a 7 year old i try to get into a 7 year old head which is my own head ultimately so i'll i'll only write things that my the 7 year old me might find funny which means a lot of 7 year olds who don't have the same kind of humor are not going to like it and that's true of anything you write that's yeah. true of any whether you're writing yeah. humor whether you're writing serious stuff there's going to be people who like it and people who don't similarly there're going to be kids who like it kids who don't you can't cater to every single kid yeah. out there surprisingly you know one assumes that all kids will like funny stuff but i've i've been to sessions where i've asked kids you know i start off by asking what do you like to read and i've had kids say i hate funny books i've actually had kids say that so it's so shocking to us to think that there might be yeah. some kids who like funny stuff but they're there so you know i can't write for them so, you know just because yeah. they yeah they don't or whatever horror i'm not going to write that because i don't like it so i write what i like and if it appeals to other kids who are, are like the kid i was at 7 well good yeah, for yeah. good for me i think that's fine you know you just can't set out to uh, please everybody out there it will never happen no and that's where books are best because i mean it's the one medium where where i think creatively you still have that amount of freedom to kind of relatively tell the story that you want to tell in the way that you want to tell it because i mean working in movies for example was a nightmare on that front especially for someone i mean i've been writing for almost two decades now and while of course publishing is notorious for not being able to provide you with a comfortable lifestyle it is also i mean the reason why i will always keep coming back from any other medium i work in is that it's the only medium left that gives people the freedom to not have to think about what the demographic wants and what i found most challenging about working in movies especially when trying to direct was that when you're in a writer reader space now of course you have your exceptions like that kid who told you and whose whose parents i feel bad for actually that funny is bad and this is not what will make you eventual head of the global space federation but by and large there's a broad sense of community among bookish people shall we say which gives you that that leeway to not really worry about what the audience is like because there is going to be a certain amount of overlap with your own you know your own tastes and preferences which completely does not apply when you are working in say bollywood where the things that people find funny and tell you are the funniest things in the world are things that you might find ghastly like uh, not only i do not find this funny but also i think this is just horrible i think people should not behave like this with one another i don't know why <laughs> you like it so it's such an interesting balance to have to kind of 
deal with. Yeah, I've had a bit of an experience of trying to convert Moen and the Monster to a movie, and the same thing. You know, I just it's not it's not the humor. I didn't have a problem with uh, with people wanting a different kind of humor. It's just that uh, the number of people who have a say in what has to go on screen. Oh yeah, it just completely. I just couldn't deal with it in the end. Because I don't write like that, you know. One write, if one's used to being isolated and writing on one's own, it's very difficult to be in a space where somebody's saying put this in and somebody else is saying put that in, and you know, now you got to move it to this, and you have to add an incident which does that. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> it's very difficult. It's a completely different thing. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about Stu. Oh. So did you start writing Stu with a character in mind? Is that is that what gave it its Humor, or I started writing Stoop because I was losing my mind trying to do the thing of film project where everyone was just telling me what to do at all times. It was one of those situations where I couldn't write. A, I I just did not have the headspace to write a really long sort of sci-fi fantasy uh, book for adults, and I wanted to kind of remind myself that I like writing and storytelling right. in general. And school stories were absolute favorites when I was a child. Like I. Read so many, and I, and I remember just loving them so much. And there was a certain, shall we say, like clarity and like a sense of this is why I like writing and I like books and I want to write and I've always wanted to write a children's series. So that's what led to the desire to write it. And and then you know, since all my friends now have kids, my nephew is the right age, and I wanted to write something for people that age. That it was basically a refresh your brain. And remember that you enjoy telling stories. Project that led to that. Do you have a sense as you start new uh, things in of whatever length and you know whether it's poetry or prose? Do you find that you have specific reasons for doing those? Specific reasons for writing specific. Yeah, as in, how do you choose what to write next? It's a hard thing. In fact, that's what one struggles with the most. I think what to write next. At least I do because I do. I'm not one of those you know prolific writers who sits down and writes two thousand five hundred words every day, which some of my friends do, and I can't understand how they do it. Well, you're the one with the awards and the. audience and so <laughs> sorry about your friends <laughs> but go on so, yeah. most of the time the books that have happened without without somebody standing over me are books that happened from like i'll tell you about this book called hick the idea that it came from was really funny because i was talking to a friend of mine and she was she was just telling me about her brother in law who come to stay and he'd got the hiccups and apparently he'd been hiccuping all day continuously so she told him uh, so she's a very sweet uh, friend and so she told him that you know your socks don't match so i said how did that help she said no i thought that would shock him into losing <laughs> so i found that so funny that it stayed in my head for a long time so that's how then i thought of i wanted to write a book about the kind of weird thing people say you you got to do to get rid of the hiccups So you know something like that. That's all it takes. One conversation, and and because I write these little books in verse, that's that's enough. It's impossible to plan to write it, which is why I think a lot of my books are written after the pictures have come because the pictures kind of inspire to think out of the box in a way that if you start thinking about things logically, it won't happen. Like for Moen and the Monster started off as a short story for Shyamini, but then I wrote the first chapter and it obviously was not. 
the end of the story. It was just the beginning of the story. So we both decided so it never got into that uh, anthology and it became a book by itself. Sometimes you don't know where things will go and that's the fun thing with uh, writing, especially with humor because you're, you cannot plan too much, right? You may have yeah. a big structure in mind, but most of the time you can't plan it. So sometimes you don't know where it will take you, which is what happened with Moin. So it just went off. The monster just took over at one point. I mean, as it should. Yeah, as it should. That's what monsters are for. Are you doing more? Monster? Uh, yeah. I just had a kid write to me the other day, which is always a good uh, incitement. But it, I don't know. I will when I want to. Thing is, the monster at the moment has gone away somewhere at the end of the second book. So it doesn't seem to be in a mood to come back yet. <laughs> and you don't know where it might, it might come yeah, back. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It does, it does. No, I love that. So tell me about some of the funny books that you you liked when you were a kid? So, before people kind of found out that a lot of uh, Enid Blyton's work was super problematic and mm-hmm. she disappeared from every country except India, I read at least a hundred of her books and I thought they were super funny. Um, also, I grew up reading in a completely unsupervised manner, like a wolf child. Mm-hmm. And um, so, a lot, of the, a lot of the children's books that I found really funny as a child were actually adults. But say P.G. Woodhouse, for, for example, is basically a children's writer, right? His characters just happen to be adults, but there's nothing in there that wouldn't uh, qualify him as a great children's writer. And it was mostly British authors, I think, on the one hand. And on the other hand, there's a lovely tradition of, of really funny writing in uh, Bengali children's books, right? So with Shukumar Rai as the kind of the main star of, of that pantheon, there was lots of that. There were Russian... Uh, children's books which while they claimed to be uh, you know super serious and important were also there was a kind of there was an undercurrent of something that kind of strikes the same vein as as humor does so it doesn't have to be overtly hilarious as well either for for it to kind of you know keep that excitement going what else a lot of a lot of the you know all those Billy Bunter type school yeah. books. Mm-hmm. A lot of the books which I can't read anymore now because when I was trying to read school, uh, when I was trying to write school books, I thought I would go back to those books that supposedly inspire everything, and it's so hard to read now because humor ages so badly, so bad that it it's it's very hard to go back. And and it's the worst thing when you kind of lose the fondness for uh, stuff that you really loved as a child. Yeah. So tell me about tell me about your uh, so very similar, but like when you said Billy Bunter, I Billy Bunter was I find it hilarious, but now yeah. it's quite shocking because it's yeah. politically incorrect. Oh my god, you know, all the way the Indian guy was oh Hurry jumps at Ram Singh. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> like you can't imagine that kind of stuff getting past the censors to be and censors yeah. being the publishers. As it is, you know, there's so much of stuff that doesn't get past the gatekeepers in, in terms of humor. You you know the incident with, with our book, uh, Fist Was Boom, right? We went, it, because it's about yeah. far, and we went to a school, Shayani and I went to a school, and suddenly we started getting calls from, because they didn't know what the book was about until we started talking about it. And the kids were having great fun describing their first farts or the time when their parents farted in a very inappropriate place and things like that. And uh, suddenly we started getting calls from the librarian who was getting calls from the principal saying, stop, (laughs) (laughs) because nobody, you know, because that's inappropriate humor. So like you said, the humor. Idiotic. 
I think farts would have worked in the Victorian times, but not anymore. Oh, uh, but Edward Gorey, my goodness, his humor is so dark, so dark. And today, if you try to write a book like that, or even Roald Dahl, for instance, you find a lot of stuff that that I wouldn't be able to write and uh, yeah. publish now because it would be politically incorrect. Yeah, so I was talking about the books that I like. The other books that I loved as a kid, which I still find funny, actually, are William. Oh, yeah. William books. You know, because there was a kind of, I don't know, some very, very unselfconscious and very, um, it's actually fairly adult, actually, the humor in, in William, because you're kind of also seeing, the, getting into the kid's head in a way that only an adult will. Not a, I find that uh, William is one book that you can read even as an adult and appreciate it in a different way. But yeah, so William has love and of course, nonsense, which is, um, which didn't come to me through Bengali writer sadly, which I read only, whom I read only much later, but mostly uh, Lewis Carroll. Not even, not even Lear so much. Right. Oh yeah, Lewis Carroll. Who were the other real highlights? Everything, everything that that you mentioned. And as kids, also you don't really. I mean, I I would just read everything, right? And it's also our uh, comics were frowned on in our, in our household. So I read the Asterix and Tintin books, thinking I was performing some great act of smuggling or crime. But I love those as well. And I and I envy the, the kids in India who got to grow up reading Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah. I read those much later. I always find it very interesting that as children, you're kind of told what is funny, right? Your sense of what is funny comes from people telling you that these are great books or great movies or great television even. And then you watch those. And of course, things are funny in themselves. I don't know where that balance comes from. But you learn to recognize the patterns of humor and you learn to, without thinking about it in these very boring terms, of course, but you appreciate the humor in things perhaps by following the responses that people who have loved these books before. I don't know how much of it is nature versus nurture or, or something like that. So, and especially reading as Indians, I mean, Billy Bunker being a great example, there's so much that we unselfconsciously read and loved because we didn't grow up with the sense of, I need to see myself in the books mm-hmm. that I read. And I think it's it's very interesting that children here now do have that sense mm-hmm. because a lot of the resistance abroad to, say, Indian books in general and the reason why, say, Indian children's books in particular, apart from yours and, I don't know, maybe a few others, they do not travel at all, right? They are not equally platformed uh, by publishing in the West. And so much of that is that the expectation to see yourself as someone who could be the protagonist of, of a children's work is an expectation that they grew up with and we did not at all. Exactly. That's what I always say when people say that, you know, they don't, you know, it's very alien. I said, we grew up reading books that were totally alien to us. Yeah. We never saw that as a problem. And in fact... Yeah, we did I, good things to our brains in the sense that that kind of mental flexibility where you can imagine pretty much anything actually comes easier possibly to people like us than it does. It's like reading fantasy basically. You know, when yeah, you're reading yeah. about because something that's so alien. It's, it's yeah, I mean, I started writing fantasy not knowing that it was different from anything else because it is no more an act of imagination to imagine a world with a dragon in it than it is to imagine that I'm one of the famous five. Like for me, the biggest letdown was eating the food that they liked so much and finding out that it was so bad. I mean, what is this? Why is anyone writing books about this Except extremely bland stones. food? Except that I, would, I mean, of course, some of those things are good, right? But <laughs> the life event that was, oh, now I will eat a tongue sandwich, right? <laughs> I was like, this is nonsense. 
why have I waited until this terribly old age to eat this food that was so lovingly described to find that it tastes like a shoe? <laughs> Yeah, so that was a letter. And then, of course, realizing that all these undercurrents of everything, racism, sexism, uh, all of that. So it means that we've also been programmed in ways that we have to now, as adults, really struggle to unlearn. Yeah, absolutely. Because this is whole other thing that I think this yeah. this kind of cultural transition is resulting in. But I guess people who are going to start out as writers now in India with the expectation of seeing themselves in the books that they love, mm-hmm. for them it's going to be quite different. Yeah, but and then there's this whole thing of um, you know when when it comes to humor, people very easily get offended, and it's getting worse now. So you have to now be very careful who you you know making a joke about because. That that whole community might kind of come and lynch you. <laughs> Useful to set it in some, you know, in a fantasy world or make make the jokes about a monster so that then then no one can sue you unless there is actually a monster world. The nice thing is that so far, and uh, this is something that will change, I suspect. Books have been subjected to far less, let's say, random nonsense like this because mostly people are not reading so much when it's something like cinema and and even actually in in languages that are not English in Indian languages that are not English because the audience because the cultural impact in the audience is usually actually larger that people are more likely to take offense at, at any possible signs of any non-rule following in those spaces uh, books allow you again this is another of those things where books just allow you freedom both as a writer and as a reader where it is that the relative privacy of that interaction is something that other people are um, unfortunately just cannot replicate i had a book that was not published no one ever told me this directly but i suspect it was because uh, the protagonist was fighting a school election oh so yeah so this is something that that indian children's writers are going to i mean hopefully not hugely face at the publishing level at this time but it's certainly something that will come up again and again when it comes to anything like adaptation um, you know, going into the more conforming media. With kids' books, there are so many levels of gatekeeper. No? First, there's the publisher who, who might find something wrong with it. Then there's the principals and the teachers and the parents. Absolutely. And this is also one of those things where these kind of crazies are everywhere in the world, right? Like, I mean, one of the first ways you hear about any, uh, not the first maybe, but certainly one of the first two things you hear about most wildly popular um, children's thing is that someone had it banned in some country. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah, humor is also one of those things where it somehow leads to offense in a much, this is sacred, you cannot. When Dr. Seuss wrote his very first book, it was about uh, a boy who's, who likes to make up stories. So it was kind of fantasy. It was this boy who's coming home from school and he sees a horse and the horse becomes a whole circus by the end of it, you know. People refuse to publish it. All publishers refuse to publish it, saying it's it's encouraging lying. It's wonderful. <laughs> I did get it published and it became huge. But you know, this is the kind of thing that uh, yeah hope doesn't happen to us. <laughs> yeah, well, it's going to happen. I had to um, change things. Okay, I've had to change things in books because uh, something wasn't think quite politically correct. You know, I've had to do that. I, I won't yeah. talk about it because that would be. Telling, but <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of one of our authors at Duckbill was uh, not a, his book wasn't allowed in a school because he dedicated it to his kick-ass wife. So usually, over the last few years, had 
very kind of good amount of interest in in say adaptations of the adult work the children stuff though i mean they'll want to buy the rights but i you get a sense very easily of who the people are and then you don't want to give your work to them up to somebody but even even the adult stuff like the new book the producers who read it we said no not now maybe maybe 5 oh, 6 years later yeah. and and it's very political yeah in the sense that earlier it would be yes we'll try to do this there are a few things that we might alter from a safety point of view now it's become just no not happening we're not going there but i have been wanting to ask you this actually that your new book in, in terms of tone is a little different from your usual oh entirely different was it deliberate oh yeah normally your humor is like it's never was sent humor here the humor is much more subdued and it's oh, no i'm just pissed off <laughs> that's what's happening <laughs> yeah but when some people sometimes when you get pissed off you get you know the humor gets no, absolutely. here you've not uh, no here i want like grim and angry and mm. unfunny right <laughs> what a humorous discussion we are having yes. mishka <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you read something funny you have you got something why don't you read uh, okay I'm going to read a small passage from my book The Rumor illustrated by Kanika Kinney and published by Karadi Tales. So this is a story about a rumor that grows and grows and grows. Pandurang who lives in Badbadpur one day swallowed a feather. And how that feather becomes bigger and bigger as the as the rumor passes on is what the story is about. So I'm going to read from the middle. You know our Pandu that, that one the grumpy chap Ganebhau's son He swallowed a forest in town. I'm telling the truth. Don't frown. Sakhu, my niece-in-law, told Tai, my sister, she saw the forest of trees in his jaw, with birds going chirrup and cawp. When he opened his mouth to say hi, the, all the birds started to fly. A whole forest? How's that? I don't know, but don't tell anyone. Very soon, it was all around the village. that there was a forest growing in pandurans mouth and it was full of tigers monkeys wolves bears elephants and that when pandurang opened his mouth and talked out flew parrots mynas peacocks quails hoopoes woodpeckers kingfishers the list grew longer and longer just as the rumor grew bigger and bigger so samita you reading something okay, so this is when the page loads uh, it's about a writer who is a very serious writer and also a cat uh, this is called putu's literary saga with happy ending putu writing classic book gentle reader come take look putu's magic pen on thaba putu will be rashti's pop putu finished classic novel agent publisher or grovel banging door of putu's house running like the three blind mice putu is crazy song and dance has most the foreigner parts putu is sure shot the booker all say putu handsome All reviewer one by one saying Putu son of gun mixing Dan Brown mass appeal with G Marquez magic reel NDTV girl with punch asking quote at Putu launch asking Putu tell the nation what is Putu's inspiration Putu says dear girl as such none is fixed but illish mark sometimes little mangshobha picking beat of Putu's heart that is all Putu is needing thank you for coming to reading NDTV lady smile charmed is all by Putu's style Vikram, Zadi, VS, Hari, all sitting in Putu's body. Putu curling, lengthy whisker, drinking Pepsi with telescope. 
all say, Putu, what is next? What will be next epic text? Putu saying, fiddlesticks. No more verbal gymnastics. Meera Nair came on phone, would not leave Putu alone. Bookshook writing, jolly good, but now time, Bollywood. Putu book will now be movie. All will be disco, groovy. Besides writer, Putu will be idol, Bombay matinee. With Putu as leading star, music mixed by Bappi Da, with Shahrukh as villain plumber, Yana Gupta, item number. So when you see Putu cat become great aristocrat, wearing coat with skin of dog, remember this Putu dog. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. It was it was lovely seeing all of you in this most pleasant of times. And I hope that, that all of you can continue being funny. Thanks, Amit. Bye. Thank you so much, Anushka and Samit. That was such an amazing discussion. We at Karadi Tales have sure had our own fair share of criticism and censorship, and it was great hearing your perspective. And thank you to everyone who listened. If you'd like to check out the books Anushka and Samit have written for us, head to www.karaditales.com. We hope you loved this discussion. Stay tuned for more engaging conversations on The Little Book Makers.